Welcome to Media Plus, a podcast on digital media and Apple's role in that industry from the Mac Observer. I'm Charlotte Henry. And today we're going meta on the show. We're going to have a podcast episode with someone who writes and podcasts about podcasts. And we're going to talk about podcasts. Uh, I'm, I'm joking. I'm absolutely thrilled to be joined by Nick Qua, the founder of Hot Pod and the presenter of Servant of Pod. Uh, thank you so much for joining me, Nick. It's my pleasure. I'm actually particularly grateful that you've joined me because uh, you've taken some time out of celebrating the Lunar New Year to pick up a mic. So I'm very grateful. Uh, and I don't want to interrupt the the eating and napping that you promised in Hot Pod, <laughs> Hot Pod readers. Actually, tell us quickly um, what Hot Pod is for those who, for some reason, don't know. So Hot Pod is um, a trade publication, a trade publication for the podcast industry. Uh, it's primarily a newsletter, but it's sort of growing out into being a website at some point whenever um, I get my, my shit together. Um, but I've been covering the space since late 2014. I'm also a uh, contributor to New York Magazine as a podcast critic. Um, as, as mentioned, I'm also the host of a podcast about podcasts called Serving a Pod. So a bit of everything at this point. A bit of everything, but all about podcasts. We love it. Yeah, um, got to keep it focused. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So... L- Look, as demonstrated by the fact that you have to cover the industry in all these different ways, there's a lot happening in, in podcasts and audio more generally. And so I want to start by asking you what, what your view on Apple potentially launching a premium podcast services. You know, we presume it's going to be called Podcasts Plus or something like that. Uh, what, what's your assessment in Apple's role in the podcast market more broadly too? Hmm. Well, that's those are two questions with uh, probably a very long answer. Uh, and let me see if I can get this get through this um, efficiently. So I think I want to sort of back it up by saying that um, the report of Apple considering a paid subscription service for podcast um, largely stems from a report in the in the information, and um, it you know it sort of cites that there has been discussions. Uh, I have heard you know, similar things, but I, I cannot sort of claim to corroborate it. Um, I also want to sort of preface that I don't have any direct knowledge on any of the sort of internal decision-making about that and oh, sort of where that boo. is. I mean, of course, like it's, it's a highly secretive uh, company. Yeah. And so... Um, we, we won't put you off the show just for that. <laughs> I, I think it's also important to sort of connect that story with um, the trickle of news over the past, I want to say 16 months that Apple had been in talks to produce or at least commission a number of original podcasts that would be exclusive to the platform. It has come to pass that um, a number of these podcasts have come to light and they're mostly sort of, uh, you know, like, like shop fronts for others, Apple services. There are Zane Lowe sort of interview series is a podcast that's exclusive to the Apple podcast platform, but it's largely a repackaging of an Apple music show. Mm-hmm. So there was a bit of marketing there. They've uh, produced uh, Apple news today, uh, which is kind of like a daily People phrase it as a daily competitor, competitor to the daily, um, yeah. which like daily news roundup stuff like. Yeah, but you know it's a little bit different, uh, and it, it, it's again it has this sort of form of being uh, a marketing front for a pre-existing service. So you know, if you take the premise that that C- is correct me if so- I'm wrong. Sorry, go ahead. I, go ahead. Go ahead. I I can't get that show here in the UK, can I? That's US only part feature of Apple News, I think. That is my understanding. News, sorry, news, um, uh, news, yeah, Apple News. Yeah, it's it's like it's part of a News Plus like bundle or, or yes. however you want to phrase it. So that's my understanding that that yeah, it's been, it's been sort of 
allocated to, to the U.S. at this point. Um, uh, but who knows? It, know. it's, uh, something must might have changed over the past couple of weeks. I, I am, you know, I have not been able to. I'm not close track of it. So I'm saying. Uh, I haven't got uh, hold of it yet. Let's put it that way. Got it. <laughs> and uh, okay, so so all that is all those pieces are down in place, uh, and it, they all tell the same sort of like t- too long, don't read version, which is. Mm-hmm. There is there there is thought to be some discussion, but there are no there does not appear to be any concrete announcement, t- product timeline or plan. And so, to the extent that we can talk about an Apple Podcast Plus service, we can talk about it in theory. And 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 honestly, like having watched Apple in the podcasting space for so long, um, there, there's a lot of stop and starts. There's a lot of maybes. Let's see where it goes. And there's been relatively few, like, quote-unquote, revolutionary changes in the way that Apple has defined its relationship podcasting. Of course, the context has changed with increasing competition from, from Spotify in particular, but also other companies like Art Media and, um, you know, apparently Amazon and Amazon Music and Audible want to do something around the space and we have yet to see any sort of meaningful pressure from there, but it's primarily from Spotify. Now, for your second question, which is what has Apple's been like long historic relationship to podcasting as a space? It's been largely as kind of um, an impartial ward. Um, the early to mid stages of podcasting as a community and ecosystem in this industry was built on the back of the Apple Podcast platform, largely just kind of leaving people to do what they want um, without you know influencing the business shape, without influencing data necessarily. Um, and as, as a result, we have this community of people that's been able to build some businesses on it. And now, uh, because they've been able to do that successfully, we've seen pressure from places like Spotify to want to take over the monetization part of it. Um, and so the the future looks TBD as usual. <laughs> yes. So there's a couple of things that you've said that I, I really want to unpack because obviously the podcast app well, first of all, the iPod device and then the podcast app on other Apple devices was was a key part of how podcasts came into kind of the mainstream. They're still a key part, as you said, of the platform in general. But as you started to hint at, the the, the podcast ecosystem is getting ever more split and a bit more disp- disparate. Now, as a consumer and I and now a producer of a podcast, it feels to me we're kind of slipping into the direction that TV and streaming has, streaming has moved into. There's a sort of a growing number of different silos. Users need to sign up to lots of different places. Um, Apple has always been the place where you can kind of get everything. I know on the Apple Podcast app, I can if I want get uh, most of you know BBC podcasts, for example. Um, some from other, you know, Acast produced shows, affiliated shows, those kind of things. It all comes into the Apple Podcast app, right? Whereas what we're starting to see, what you were talking about is, you know, exclusive shows that are just on Spotify. And if you want to listen to Joe Rogan, you need a Spotify subscription is the obvious mm-hmm. example, but there are others. Um, how, how is that going to be continue? Is that going to work in audio the way it has in TV, do you think? Uh, I mean, obviously, the, the phrasing of the question suggests uh, a knowledge of how these things plays out. But who knows? And the answer, as always, is who knows TBD. But um, yeah, so the, the broad description of the pressure seems broadly correct, right? Like there is this, as um, platforms that want to compete with, with Apple, um, in, in this sort of point of differentiation, they adopt exclusive content strategies in order to sort of lure people over. 
um, and to make the case on a, a value proposition case on themselves that we are a better option for consumption than than Apple Podcasts, for example, or any of the third party podcast apps. Um, there, the outcome is the situation where all, you know basically a balkanization of the space. You know, if you want to listen to X X Y Z shows, you 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 know check out Spotify. But if you want to check out APC shows, maybe go over to you know Amazon Music or whatever. And over the long run, um, you know you can build the case that this is sort of anti-consumer because they have to download all these different apps and kind of juggle between the same way that we have to juggle between Netflix, HBO Max, Hulu, whatsoever, and, or uh, I guess whatever the equivalents are in, in the UK. Uh, I, I'm, I'm reminded of a streaming service called BritBox, which I don't think, which is something that tries to import British shows over here. Yeah, we got that. Yeah, that's a different <laughs> conversation. I suspect most people in the UK, that's the one thing they don't pay for because we get the other stuff. Um, it was yeah. designed for you guys over the other side of the Atlantic, but yes. Yeah, um, I mean, sort of the temptation is to phrase this like, is this a bad thing? Is this a good thing? Unfortunately, like I, I, I can sort of build the case on both sides. On the one hand, mm. you want to build stronger economic structures that have revenue to flow, so that people who make podcasts can get paid uh, at higher rates and more with more consistency. Versus the uh, the pre-existing like open podcast ecosystem, as previously facilitated by Apple, in which you can get everything in this one platform. But the problem is, is that because you can get everything in this one platform, you know, it raises the argument that this makes discovery harder. Um, it makes certain things kind of feel like a little bit tighter in terms of trying to break through in, in any given particular platform. Um, and so, uh, you know, maybe the open ecosystem is chaotic and it's hard to monetize and, have, and hard to build audiences on top of. So maybe we should be advocating for more semi-closed systems or whatever. All of which is to say is that like, I, you know, I, I think we're only going to drift. We're, we're obviously going to drift deeper and deeper into this balkanization trend. I think obviously some will fail and some will not because at the end of the day, um, on the consumer level, it's about then getting what they want or again, getting to learn to know what they should want to check out. Uh, and if those platforms are able to sort of run that uh, relationship effectively. And um, I think the open ecosystem will always have some form of advantage because they will be like the home to an infinite number of podcasts, right? Um, and with Spotify, you know, if they keep putting out like bad shows, then maybe people wouldn't use Spotify as a result. And um, we're not, we haven't even started talking about well, like, the think, actual user experience, you know? Yeah, or more specifically, they won't pick Spotify over Apple Music because of the podcasts you can get. Exactly, exactly. But which, again, which is a slightly uh, different thing, isn't it? it? It is a slightly different thing. Yeah. Um, however, Spotify has um, gone out and struck deals with some of the biggest, like Joe Rogan is like the biggest podcast, um, as, as measured by at least two rankers at this point, that it was the biggest show of 2020, like hands down. And so, you know, that is arguably a smart acquisition, like a smart sort of exclusive partnership, right? Um, but will they be will they be able to do this or and sustain this kind of um, audience acquisition strategy over the course of one year, two years, five years, ten years? That's the question. And uh, it, it we costs see. a lot of money to have lots of different Joe Rogans. Absolutely, it, and again, also, uh, uh, and we're sort of unpacking many, many boxes as we go along with this <laughs> this line of discourse. But like, what is Spotify's like overarching strategy? Right, it's it's not necessarily just exclusive content. They are they want to be able to own the monetization layer of third-party podcasts that get gets distributed over the platform. They want to also be able to drive more premium subscribers. And so all these sort of over uh, overlapping strategies have to kind of make sense. 
and Spotify having committed a ton of money into the space, uh, they're in a position to have to, to play that out. Now, if we kind of flip the lens over and say, what is sort of Apple Podcasts um, priorities in this space? They don't quite have the same incentive structure as Spotify. They don't have the same business goals because they're attached to a much larger diversified company. So one could make the argument that the Apple Podcast platform and, and the theoretical Apple Podcast Plus service, uh, they don't have to compete along the same lines. They just have to, to fulfill a much larger goal. And that larger goal, presumably, is to keep people within the Apple ecosystem, uh, keep people buying Apple products. And so that, that is a slightly different strategy. It's, it's a little bit like talking, is Disney Plus a, directly, a direct competitor to Netflix? Yes and no. They're direct competitors in the sense of uh, a, a household's monthly streaming budget, but they also get to you know push sales over to merchandise and and uh, theme yeah. parks and IP and and that's stuff that Netflix you know oh, it's not the we, same level of competitors. Go ahead. Uh, as we saw in the the latest Disney results, keep keep money coming into Disney when no one can go to the theme parks. Absolutely, absolutely. And then when when we all do get vaccinated. Uh, Wow, like it's going to explode, like just all that sort of pent up interest with people engaging Disney Plus products, people are going to explode into theme parks at higher rates. It's just it's, it's kind of like insane yeah. virtual cycle. Um, I, the thing we've often assumed, I certainly have with, if Apple did Podcast Plus is, and this relates to what you're saying about it operating in a wider company and the comparison with Disney and, and theme parks, for example, is that we've always assumed that at least the beginnings of Apple original content, audio content, the pod, podcast plus, let's keep calling it, would be spin-offs and related content to Apple TV plus shows. So when we heard that John Stewart was heading over to TV Plus. The part of that discussion, it was understood that the deal also included that he'll do a podcast. Makes sense. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, we one would have. I mean, reasonably, a a smart talent agent would broker a deal like that. Yes, <laughs> right. And also, a smart company like Apple, if you're paying a lot of money to for a person like John Stewart or Oprah Winfrey, would assume that they will produce as much content in as many different ways as possible. Yeah, they, they would try, certainly. Uh, and it's also a very Naples way of doing things that everything kind of fits together. So fine. And we've started it's seeing some of this kind of integration of audio content with other types of content with, say, Fitness Plus and its walking, uh, walking workouts where you've got like people like Dolly Parton and other people kind of guiding you on a walking workout through the Fitness Plus app. Um, but it, again, it's pure audio, original audio content that they're producing for Apple. So, yeah, so we're, uh, go we're go heading go. in that direction anyway. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is that um, we're heading in some sort of direction, right? Like, <laughs> But, you know, to take out this analysis, we're, we're trying to sort of figure out what uh, what a what the actual endpoint and endgame is, or b what the options are. Um, and you know, in, a, in 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 any sort of like criminology uh, like approach to this, it's like where are where is the company in their thought process along these lines? And you know, it's very hard to answer the the you know option C at this point. But like you could make an argument for many different kinds of like audio plus services here, right? Um, if augmented reality becomes 
a feasible outcome. I remember reading that like Apple, their sort of next, one of their next projects is like, like basically Google Glass, right? Um, that well, itself could I, I th- There's yeah, two right? different headsets in inverted commas. We think the first one will be a very expensive, quite niche product. And then there'll be a more accessible, lower priced one. Yeah, but the, in any case, like, what are the experiences Oculus being developed for it, right? Like, and what does that experience look like? Is it mm-hmm. visually driven or is it audio audio driven? I, you know, there, there, we haven't even sort of like opened up a conversation about what it means for the smart speaker set because you could also make the argument that there's a ton of uh, product opportunities there around audio first products. Um, so but with the HomePod and HomePod Mini. Yeah, and I don't. I also have this like kind of belief that the AirPods is itself a, an augmented reality device um, if executed pr- appropriately, right? And, and it doesn't yeah. quite feel like uh, that has been activated just yet. With you're talking out to one of the few holdouts in the world against uh, AirPods. I, <laughs> I dislike the stems and I dislike the price points. And I'm very stubborn about it. I suspect I, I've accepted that I'm probably going to succumb at some point, but yes. Uh, but I, I feel you on the price point, but I, I will say that AirPods have like fundamentally changed my relationship with my phone. Yes, everyone <laughs> tells me this. I've yeah. never spoken to anyone that has them and doesn't love them. I know I'm wrong. I know I'm being stubborn and I know I'm going to have to change eventually. I'm there. <laughs> I just can't quite bring myself to do it yet. Um, but actually... You're right about the AR element of it as well, because that fitness plus uh, the walking workouts I mentioned, you don't, you basically don't need your phone. In fact, you can't use your phone. You have your watch, Bluetooth connected to Bluetooth headphones, i.e. AirPods, and it gives you the content that's controlled from your watch. So yes, that's the first kind of hint, isn't it? And I guess if, Apple had released its glasses, you could see, you could walk along with Dolly Parton or whoever else is you're listening to. So yeah, I think there is going to be an integration there. But Yeah, and I think it's also important to make the distinction here that um, there is the world of potential Apple like exclusive audio products on the one side, you know, these things that we're talking about, walking towards augmented reality and so on. And then there's the on-demand audio industry uh, writ right. large and how the two things intersect and, and relate to each other. Um, sometimes I feel like uh, the difficulty about talking about podcasts sometimes and the way that, and that way that other people have started talking about podcasts is to kind of lump everything together, which is both in, appropriate and inappropriate in the sense uh, that it's inappropriate because these are different product types within the general same area. So clubhouse V podcasting is not necessarily a reasonable conversation to have. But it's appropriate because we're all talking about, you know, time spent listening. Um, yeah, and, I do. I and, want and, to come back to Clubhouse, yeah. actually. I, I'm glad go you mentioned it because I definitely want to discuss that with you. Um, but I, I just want to finish off unpacking this idea of where Apple might go next in mm-hmm. terms of both producing its own original, what we would now call a podcast, i.e., an on demand let's call it an on-demand radio show to be really talk radio show to be really crude about it um i can feel you twitching at my description but um i think that's kind of still how we think of most people anyway who aren't as deeply embedded in the industry as you would probably think of it you know a show that comes out at a set point you know often with an interview subject or a couple regular hosts that chat and Mm -hmm 
that kind of thing. So there's Apple producing that type of content and also charging for it and distributing it. I kind of find it hard to imagine Apple asking for another $3.99, 4 dollars $5.99 from people. For I would set. agree with that. I would given, agree with that. Yeah, just given, particularly given how they basically still haven't asked anyone to pay for TV. Yeah. And, and we kind of psychologically accept we pay for TV, but we still don't accept really that we pay for podcasts. Most people don't. Um, I, I find that hard to imagine. So I we've always assumed, by the way, I mean, you know, my colleagues and I, when we discussed this, that it would be thrown into some kind of bundle. Yeah, I mean, that, in, in a not dissimilar will... way to the athletic, the sports publication. If you want to listen to athletic podcasts, you can uh, on any podcasting app. But if you want them ad free, you yeah, you can get that with a subscription. I mean, that's like the Apple One like proposition, right? Correct, like, exactly. Uh, and, and again, it's this sort of sense of like, are you being kept within that packet, the, the Apple ecosystem, right? Uh, music, TV Plus, Arcade, whatever. Um, and, and then we'll probably see like, I don't know, it's it's kind of, it's funny because like one could imagine a, a parallel universe in which like Google's like bundle service also has content in it. And, <laughs> and because like the answer, instead of like thinking there's like, why not? It's another thing to add value to the bundle. Um, I, yeah, I... I don't even I, want I to start considering the type of content that <laughs> Google might produce actually. Yeah, I, I agree to the notion that like it's hard to just also ask people to spend monthly a monthly amount of dollars on yet another like bucket of content, which is kind of why like I'm, I'm generally I say this as a newsletter writer. Uh, I'm, I'm generally sort of like skeptical about this whole subject, like boom of, of Ooh, all these writers kind of going out individually. You you throwing that in as we're sort of approaching the end of the show. That's a very controversial take. <laughs> I do. I, I want to do some shows on newsletters and Substack and stuff. Um, but you pay yours is, is it controversial? Well, is I it think it is from someone that runs a subscription newsletter service. I mean, yeah. So I guess the argument is sort of like, well, are you providing a service that is um, that is not repla- replaceable or, or sort of like it's not replicative of uh, the other bundles that you're already being paid for? There, you're already paying for. And I feel like the the sort of large swath of the newsletters that's being struck out as to their own sort of paid newsletter service, it's, it's a very sort of like um, individual taste oriented. So like I am subscribing because I like this person, I like this person's worldview. And uh, as opposed to I'm subscribing because it fills a specific information gap, um, which, which you know, I, I sort of envision Hotbot as, as being sort of a, 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 a publication of an information gap as opposed to an extension of my personality and therefore people are paying for my personality. And so that is something that I kind of go like, hmm. Well, when you uh, say I, that, but we, this is not how I expected this show to go, but that's the fun <laughs> of it. Um, a couple of things. So yes, I think Substack at the moment is too personality driven, not enough reporting driven. Whereas you're very information and reporting heavy. That's I I think I think people would dispute your characterization of my of my newsletter. I've been told to my face many many times that I'm not a journalist, and therefore I will never take that <laughs> that position. Uh, well, I, I don't I don't even think well, it's, it's a very thing. analytical, isn't it? You take you look at data, yeah. you look at 
information it's uh, analytical if not raw reporting then fine yeah i i think i don't know i also kind of think that people kind of overvalue or have a specific definition of reporting and equate reporting naturally to value um, and i don't necessarily think that's what people pay for i think people pay for um either like solving a problem in their lives or um filling up their time in an interesting and engaging way and i think you know the the former bucket reporting is one of those many buckets you could also just be like a, a really good news digest uh, of, of links everywhere else uh and then there's also an entire competitive front there so i, I also do, i do think that like a lot of it does feel like a lot of the, the boom comes in the latter as opposed to the former mm-hmm. however um i i i don't i have not i do not I, I think that's also an overall generalization. And I think my might just be sort of being like, you know, too simplistic about the way things have spread around. Right. Well, before we um, wrap up, you mentioned Clubhouse and we do have to dive into it because it's kind of the darling, isn't it, at the moment? The, we're recording this kind of mid-February and everything is about Clubhouse at the moment. I tuned into a conversation on there over um, just this, before recording the show actually what's your impression is this like a silicon valley darling or is this going to be something that actually lasts uh this question is very useful for me because i'm working on a column for next tuesday oh, right no, now you're, <laughs> look, you're welcome this is we're, we're here to uh, provide a service this show it. as well yeah you're welcome so I, I let me just sort of like lay out how i'm thinking about the process of this column and i think and that will get to your question um I am very tempted to sort of try to take a contrarian position, right? Like that's kind of where like a bullshit columnist gambit <laughs> of like uh, a lot of people are either very, very pro clubhouse or they're very, very skeptical of clubhouse. What is the interesting, well, how do you be a contrarian in that, <laughs> in that context? Uh, and I think one of the lines of conversations that I've heard um, that is, you know, it's, it's provocative to some extent. It's like whether clubhouse is, is an existential threat to, to podcasting anyway and you know the answer is like obviously i don't again it's sort of an inappropriate and an appropriate framing of the question in the sense that like like what i was saying earlier it's 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 they're two different sort of content sets almost but they do compete on the time spent listening sort of metric and that is that is a material metric for the way we should think about like the sphere of competition um however i have been on clubhouse for like, i won't say like a week now it's just been like dipping in and out listening I find it profoundly boring, and yet there's something about like the idea of it that is really appealing to me. Um, yes, I, I think is, I, I think I agree yeah. with you. Actually, I like the principle. Yeah, I haven't found anything that yet that has made me stay longer than maybe ten or fifteen minutes. Yeah, I, you know, I listen. I I feel like it reminds me of when I was still single and like going out to parties and stuff. I often have a bad time, but I'm there for a potential of something interesting. <laughs> and that, that is the dominant feeling I have in Clubhouse. And I think there are a couple of lines of analysis that I'm like sort of considering to pick up. And one of them is that like, what are we really looking at here? Is this supposed to be a social network or is this supposed to be something that feels like Twitch, which is to say, is this a site of, um, media experiences or is this a site of communicative collaborative experiences and you could argue for some hybrids like in between here like guy raz who hosts how i built this has done you know what a what a basically virtual approximation of live shows uh, on clubhouse and, and um 
it is it is clunkier than you would want from an actual produce experience, right? Um, like many live events are. Um, and yeah, but you do have this collaborative participatory element, which is interesting. You're, yeah. you, you had a question earlier about like, is this a Silicon, Dar- like Silicon Valley darling? Yes, yeah, so I can't work game. out. Actually, one of the things I put, maybe I'm disproving my input because a converse, part of the conversation I was listening to on Clubhouse was someone saying how clever it is that Clubhouse invented an app that VCs and journalists will love. So VCs and journalists talk about it and give it a really high valuation. And I can't tell if that's just cynicism or actually true. And once we can all go out again, people will get over it. Well, it's both cynicism and it's true, right? Because it's true. <laughs> <laughs> and people are cynical because it's true. Um, Clubhouse, you know, anchored like like Anchor tried a version of this right before they sort of pivoted to become creator tools when they first started out. Um, and I think one could make the argument that a lot of Clubhouse's like centrality in the current discourse about this kind of experience is because of its like blockbuster like VC kind of portfolio, like. You know, anything Andreessen Horowitz touches, there's a little bit of that kind of, uh, it creates its own market, right? Because of the nature of that, of that, of the investments, but also the way that it's been uh, positioned, the, the, the culture, the original culture that's been motivated and cultivated on it. It's a lot of these sort of like kind of hype beast uh, tech, pro tech people, um, you know, it's a like uh, good, sustainable, long-term platforms must always sort of transcend that original like super user set, right? And and it's unclear what that looks like at this point. Yeah. But I think if we sort of depersonalize this question and ask the question of like, not Clubhouse, but something like this, not Clubhouse, but this sort of horizontal-ish uh, participatory audio community experiences, is this something that can last? Is this something that is a meaningful thing? And I, I, I am tempted to say that, yes, there is some version of this that, that works, but I do not think that we're quite there yet. And it's unfair to put that expectations of figuring out the, uh, the end game on the platform at this stage. However, um, there are many other things to sort of really have serious critiques about when it comes to Clubhouse, like moderation, toxicity, abuse, that kind of stuff, bad behavior. This is all like table stakes shit for social platforms in 2021. <laughs> uh, yeah. And you know there's been reports of discrimination against disabled users and there's there's the backlash is starting i think it's fair to say but we're possibly too early into the process to know where where we're at well thank you it's been a fascinating conversation it's not the conversation i thought we were going to have but those are often the best shows so uh it was an absolute (laughs) thrill to have you nick tell us where we can keep up with uh what you and the hot pod team are doing uh well um you can Subscribe to the letter at hotpodnews.com. Um, you can find my writing on Vulture and your magazine's Vulture, vulture.com. Uh, and you can listen to Servant of Pod, wherever you get your podcast, which is a phrase that I know some people in various podcast companies hate being said because they want to make you say, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but you know no. what I'm saying. Well, you can catch this podcast wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. Um, and you can keep up with me, Charlotte Henry, over at themacobserver.com and at Charlotte A. Henry on Twitter. And once again, thank you so much for joining me, Nick, and I will see you all again next week. Thank you.